We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Bolt fam? As fans of Justin Herbert, you know we have a quarterback with a cannon for an arm. Unfortunately, for some other AFC West teams like the Broncos and the Raiders, their quarterbacks have little chicken wings for arms. Chargers fans, they don't have to worry about those chicken wings. The only chicken wings we associate with are the ones from Chicky Chicky Wings and Sports, the official sports bar of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Head there to watch the next Chargers game and use the promo code GUILTY to get 10% off your meal. Go get some bomb food and watch Asante Samuel Jr. pick off another pass. Again, that's guilty for 10% off. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome in to the Guilty as Charged podcast. This is our live recap for the Chargers Week 5 victory over the Cleveland Browns. What a freaking game. Can't wait to dive into this one with my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. I know the Rays are playing right now over the Red Sox, um, but how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, they're down in the series right now, so I could use this to take my mind off of everything uh, and talk about the teams that won yesterday. So yeah, the Chargers got that win. Uh, it was great to see. And uh, the only thing that I really thought during the game was, man, Steven must be having a hell of a time there because it was, you know, touchdown after touchdown going back and forth and sweaty heat. And <laughs> Steven's a big guy. And I was just yes. thinking his heart's probably not okay right now. But, you know, they won the game in the end. No, it was a crazy weekend for us. My wife uh, and I celebrated our fourth anniversary this weekend. And so we had, we had planned that we were going to do the Utah-USC game and then Chargers-Browns game for a while. Um, and it was a, it was a great weekend of football, man. Couldn't have asked for it any better. The game yesterday was totally stressful, right? And Brandon Staley did not do me any favors. I get hardcore anxiety over stressful situations. And so when he's going for it on fourth and two on the chargers 29, I couldn't even watch, man. My, my head was down. I could not take my eyes off of the floor. So it was crazy. Um, got to meet some good people as well. We'll talk about all of that. And, uh, have to pass it to my guy Tyler. How are you doing today, man? And uh, update us on your grandpa, if you don't mind. Yeah, grandpa's uh, slowly, slowly going. So that's kind of how that's been. But thank you, everybody, for saying all the nice things, reaching out on Twitter, direct message, on YouTube, whatever. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, you had a good weekend. You had, uh, so you had an anniversary, Utah beat USC, and the Chargers won, mm-hmm. and they're like definitively atop the AFC. That's a pretty good weekend. Although I was worried, like Alex said, because you sent us a message <laughs> before the game started and you said, 
oh man, it's really hot on this side of the field. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, like maybe you'll find some shade or whatever. But I can't imagine in a 47-42 game that you found any time to not sweat. I'm sure you spent $400 just on water bottles. So <laughs> get those super chats in to reimburse Steven for all the water bottles he had to buy. I'm not even kidding you because I learned my lesson last time about the water situation. Yeah. I went before the game and I bought eight bottles of water. <laughs> So then I didn't have to go back up to this, back up to the snack bar and buy more water no bottles and pay the taxes each time. And I get back down to my seats and Brooke is like, why do you have this big bag? And I'm like, oh, I bought eight <laughs> bottles of water. Jeez, I, I just, I just imagine like the SoFi security people seeing Steven walk in with like a crate of Poland spring. <laughs> so on the, on the side that's closer towards the team store where I sat last time where Tyler sits the 231 section that's that that's shaded for most of the game so it's not as bad and in the fourth quarter we started to get some shade as the sun began to set but it is hotter on that side man and so if you're preparing if you're going to a game and you're sitting uh obviously if you're sitting on the visiting side you're getting sun the whole game so prepare accordingly um but yeah it was it was a fun it was a great game could not have asked for more um and uh shout out to sean taylor for the super chat shout out to the raiders fans from last monday that said they had an easy win and we were good crushed uh yeah so that worked out well and apparently the raiders have no fans they have no <laughs> fans bastards got sold out too so see which charges are not the only ones yeah i mean uh yeah, raiders fans whatever <laughs> i i've 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 turned i've soured on them i'll just say that i get what you the guys mean now the no fans thing isn't even the most of their problems because their coach is embroiled in a race scandal. <laughs> that is true. Oh, yeah, that. That is true. Uh, apparently, uh, he might get suspended this week, so Gus Bradley is going to be the interim <laughs> head coach for a week. And Raiders fans are excited, and I'm like, okay, that's that's the state of Raider Nation. But um, no, I, I the thing I'll say about this before we really jump into the game is that the atmosphere yesterday at SoFi Stadium was incredible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we kind of alluded to this, that we were hoping that this would be the first time uh, that Chargers fans had the majority of the stadium. And we did. I felt like it was about 70 percent Chargers fans, 30 percent Browns fans and Browns fans were mostly quiet outside of like a few key third downs in the fourth quarter. But it was loud in SoFi Stadium. And, you know, I had a great time, you know, par participating in that. Obviously, my voice is a little shot. My wife's voice is completely shot. And she had to go teach a classroom or seven classrooms full of high school freshmen. So, um, you know, she, she had a good day drinking tea throughout the whole day. But it was a great time. If you're on the fence about going to a game at SoFi Stadium this year, I highly encourage you jump off and go. Like, if you're an out-of-state fan, if you live in San Diego, if you live in San Francisco, wherever you live, go. There's no excuse at this point. Tickets are pretty affordable, you know, even if you're sitting in the 400 or 500 section. section. The stadium is an awesome place to catch a game, and we can help you out with that thanks to our sponsor, TickPick. If you go use the code CHARGED10, that's CHARGED10, you get a $10 discount off of your first uh, purchase. We had a couple people actually go and use that for this weekend. So if you're on the fence about going to a game, use our discount code at TickPick and go because it is an insane place to catch a game, and the Chargers are rolling right now. So what better way to uh, spend a Sunday? And we may be giving away tickets at some point. Yeah. More tickets. Ooh. Yeah. So I I know that obviously not everybody can afford to make games. And so we uh, specifically want to do some giveaways for some out-of-state fans. Mm -hmm. um, because I know that there are a lot of you who go to 
some of these away games, some of you who will be in Baltimore this weekend. Um, but there's just really nothing like SoFi Stadium, in, in my opinion. So that being said, let's jump right into uh, this week five recap. I've started the recaps off each of these past few times, so I'm going to let you guys start this one off. Tyler, we'll uh, kick it off with you. What is your kind of biggest general takeaway from watching this game yesterday? Aside from the run defense and missed tackles, I will say that what stood out to me the most, because it's a win, I'll go with something positive. It's the way the Chargers are prepared to handle very difficult situations, whether that be fourth down or two point conversions. But for like for fourth down, for example, if you're only talking about the offensive plays and not the special teams throw to Campbell that were Renfro lit him up, the Chargers are a perfect eight for eight on fourth yeah. down the past three weeks. And they do it with a variety of players. So Allen, there's two pass interference plays, one to Guy and one to Williams, but you have Allen, Cook, Cook again, Eckler, Allen. But what impresses me the most is there's just no hesitation. They have the fourth down call ready because they took, you know, an extra step of preparation that week and the defense just didn't, or they just weren't ready. I mean, look at that play against the Raiders is fourth down. What do they do? They trot out a play that, you know, they practiced. We had Slater at right tackle, cook at left tackle, fake to run to the right, yeah. throw to cook to the left. I mean, that's unbelievable. They just had that ready. You know, they're, they don't just want to go for on fourth down. They are prepared to win and succeed on fourth down. And obviously they are because they're converting so well. They're one of the best fourth down teams right now. It's just a level of preparedness I've never seen before, and it's paying off. Right. I think it's preparedness, and it's also just repetition. Like, the more you're going for it on fourth down, the more that you're going to be used to and calm in that situation towards the end of the year, right? So I think it's also just a, a familiarity thing, changing over from, you know, what the system was last year to what it is now. I think they're kind of excited to go for it on fourth down and just, you know, see what it is every time. Um, you know, that's sort of what Mike Williams alluded to a little bit after the game. Uh, but yeah, my takeaway was just, uh, I'm happy that the chargers can win this way. Um, I did mm-hmm. not really expect this game to be 47 to 42. I predicted 27, no. 24. Um, yeah. and I thought that generally the way that Staley defenses and uh, the game had kind of been built out in these first four weeks, at least prior to this one was just, you know, hold the team kind of down and, you know, just score enough points to beat them, right? Um, Obviously, they've had some good offensive games, but they really weren't, like, going, you know, back and forth with teams a little bit. It was sort of like they were either in control for a little bit, uh, much like in the Raiders and Chiefs games, or uh, they sort of take control in the second half versus Washington. So I think that that you know, being able to win in this way, I think is also going to be really important when the playoffs come. Um, and that's something that's going to be, yeah. need to happen. If you play the Browns again and you have to go against Nick Chubb again, um, if you play the chiefs and get into some kind of shootout with Mahomes uh, or Josh Allen down the road, whatever it is in the playoffs, like I think it's very important that they were able to put, you know, 40 points on the board. You're not going to do that every week, but just the ability to do that and go drive for drive with another top tier, you know, uh, AFC offense like I think that that is going to be really important down the road um we talked about Staley and the trust he has in Herbert and all that stuff but uh you yeah, know uh, I just did not expect them to to win this kind of a game especially when we were sitting at halftime and it was 27-13 and Nick Chubb was just running wild uh yeah. I did not expect them to really like jump back into this one and just assert themselves on offense and just be like, well, we know the run defense is going to be bad, but we're just going to have to outscore you. <laughs> um, and so I thought it was really impressive. That they won that way. 
I don't want to see that every week. I would prefer right, you don't no. give up 42 points. <laughs> um, but it, it was a nice uh, change of pace just to show that they can do that for future situations this year. Yeah, to your point, I don't know if you guys saw that ESPN stat about the Browns' offensive output yesterday. Yes. But the, the Browns yesterday became the first team in NFL history to lose a game in which they scored over 40 points, had over 500 yards of offense, and zero turnovers. So the Chargers are usually on the opposite side of those kind of statistics, which has been really oh, nice yeah. to, to listen to. Um, and, you know, it's just been so much fun to watch Brandon Staley, you know, push this identity. And he said it in the All-In episode, like third down isn't third down anymore. Third down is second down. So it, it's been an adjustment, right? Like each each week I'm like, okay, like maybe he'll punt this one. Maybe he'll, you know, kick the field goal here. And it's just like, nope. And, you know, we were sitting there when it was like 35 to 28. And the Chargers had had another fourth down, which ended up being that Keenan Allen uh, over route. And everybody mm-hmm. in this, everybody in my section was like, "He's going to kick the field goal, right? Like he's going to take the points." Right? <laughs> and I'm like, "No, no, 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 no! This is a new day. This is a new day for the Chargers. Like he's going to be aggressive." And you know, this has been incredible to watch because he has that trust in Justin Herbert. And we saw on the opposite side what a coach who doesn't trust his quarterback look like. And I don't want to turn this into a trash Baker Mayfield kind of thing, but you know, the Browns have a chance to put this game away, mm-hmm. you know, up 42 to 41 after the Viscaino uh, missed PAT, which we will get into. Um, mm-hmm. And on third and 10, they run a draw play yeah, because they're trying to bleed the clock out as opposed to trusting Baker Mayfield to go down and make the play. So it's just been incredible to watch. And that's my biggest takeaway is that mm-hmm. Justin Herbert is an MVP candidate. He yep. has arrived, and we've been seeing this build over the past few games, and he just put the team on his back in this game. And we've seen now that he does have that ability to you know, lead these fourth-quarter comebacks, and I think we can all tell when a quarterback is taking that elite step in his development when you know, like, regardless of how much time is on the clock, that this guy is going to go get us points. And, you know, we all see it every single week with Aaron Rodgers when, you know, the San Francisco 49ers give him the ball back with 30 seconds left. That's too much time when the mm-hmm. Chargers get, you know, score that touchdown with a minute 30 or whatever it was with and Patrick Mahomes comes back out. That's too much time. Justin Herbert is at that level now, in my opinion, where if teams give the ball back to the Chargers with 35, 40 seconds left, I have all the confidence in the world that Justin Herbert is going to go and get these points. And to me, he has taken that a next step in becoming an elite player and has fully, you know, cemented his status as an MVP candidate. Yeah, I will say maybe Kyler Murray has the edge, but no, I don't know how, for my, how much longer because the schedule is only going to get easier for Herbert. Right. He's going to have those right. nice, you know, my Bengals are okay, but, you know, the, <laughs> the Jaguars, the Texans, the Giants, the Eagles, like those games are coming up and he's already being an MVP candidate facing very good teams. But the last five weeks last five games in the fourth quarter against the washington football team he took a touchdown to take the lead against uh dallas cowboys he led that field goal drive to tie unfortunately they never got the ball back against the chiefs in the fourth quarter again a lead in the fourth quarter went for a touchdown against the raiders the only reason they didn't have to take a lead is because they already had the lead but they still went and scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter anyway and then last night or what's today today monday (laughs) anyway yesterday yeah so yesterday you know he goes and again takes the browns or takes the Chargers to take, get a lead over the Browns. So a lead to tie, to lead, a touchdown to put the game away, and a lead again. I mean, just the guy, for everyone on Twitter, all the opposing fans who said, 
Herbert just needs to win games. Herbert's a choker. He needs to win games. Here you go. Like he, the, people are running out of excuses or things to say about this guy. This guy is doing everything possible to win football games. Is it perfect? No, there were some mistakes throughout these sure. games. Absolutely. But the guy just keeps fighting, keeps hitting. He's definitely an MVP candidate. I believe he will take that first place. You know, first jock. Is he in the lead for for um, odds or is it Murray? I think it's, it's Murray right now. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm just yeah. curious, even if that's the case, I'm curious how the, the media will vote for someone like Murray versus Herbert. I, I just feel like people want to give Herbert that MVP versus, I mean, people love Murray and I think Murray's deserving, but there's something about Herbert and the association with Staley and Los Angeles and everything and him doing it in his second year. I don't know. I, I think even with Murray having sort of the, the betting favorite lead, I still think Herbert can win it. Yeah, I think Justin Herbert could win MVP. I mean, it really, at this point, it's just about being in the ball game. I mean, we have, what, 12 games left to play? Like, so there's so much yeah. that's still left to be decided and uh, guys that will fall down the MVP rankings, guys that will go up. Um, I think the last time I checked it, it was that Murray and Josh Allen were actually tied at the top. Uh, and then you had uh, Justin Herbert in there. And uh, I think Brady and Dak were next in the odds. Personally, if I had to do top three and include Justin Herbert, I would actually go Kyler, then Brady, then Herbert um, in terms of an MVP ranking. But to me, that doesn't matter. Like, I think what Justin Herbert showed you in this game, regardless of which one you favor for MVP, it's just, you know, the ability to go get those points uh, down the road and, you know, just have full confidence every drive. Like, that's something that even with Herbert as good as he was his rookie year, like I didn't quite have that level of confidence in him to go down the field and do that. Uh, just every drive in, you know, 40, 47, 42 game, you know? So I think that's uh, the main thing, you know, obviously can be a pro bowl candidate this year as well. I would expect him to make the pro bowl uh, if he keeps up this level of play. Uh, so yeah, no, I think that this is definitely an MVP possibility season. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if he won it at all. I think he's going to be in contention. Um, but more important than whether or not he wins it, because like Tyler said, it's a media award and the media will create whatever narratives they want. <laughs> right. Uh, I just think it's, uh, it's great to see him playing at this level. Yeah. And obviously, you know, the chargers have to keep winning and Justin has to keep doing this because last year. We all heard after eight weeks, it was Russell Wilson's MVP to lose. And then the Seahawks, you know, tanked the rest of the year and Russ kind of sucked. So um, obviously you have to keep playing. Right. And uh, yeah. definitely have to give a shout out right now to uh, Tyler's mom for the super sticker. As always, guys, uh, if you do feel so inclined to use the super chat feature, it is enabled. You can ask us a question and we'll be sure to answer it. Um, but it, it's just been so much fun to watch Justin Herbert, you know, develop and, and you know, keep proving these doubters wrong. And then I love after the game in the in the post game, like they're all in the locker room and he gets the game ball and he's like, not me. Like, I'm good. Like, <laughs> I don't need this game ball. He's like, whatever. Um, so it's just been so much fun to watch. Like, yeah. you know, now we're seeing him too, like his personality come out a little bit more as well. Like he scores these touchdowns, gets really fired up and like, and so it's just been great to watch. And Brandon Saley trusts him with his full confidence and Keenan Allen does all that stuff. So it's been, you know, unreal to go from Phil Rivers to this version of Justin Herbert. And, you know, I'm just like, you know, it's crazy that we get to watch this guy play every single Sunday after having, you know, a such a borderline Hall of Fame kind of talent in Phil Rivers. So it's been uh, it's been fun for sure. We've sacrificed kickers for quarterbacks. <laughs> Basically. 100 times out of 100, though. 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, all right, let's let's talk really quickly about where the Chargers stand in the AFC right now. Obviously, they're atop the AFC at four and one uh, because of their two and zero division start. That's why they have the tiebreaker currently over the Buffalo Bills. Um, the Chargers and Bills both have easy schedules coming up, and so I, I think it's a fair assessment right now to say that those two are the favorites. Although I will never count out the Kansas City Chiefs, even though I have some problems. not at all. Um, so Alex, I'll start with you on this one. How do you see kind of the AFC hierarchy at this point and where do the chargers fit in? Uh, I mean, I think the chargers are what their record says they are. I mean, I think they're four and one team up there with the bills up there with, uh, some of the other teams, the Ravens who they'll get a chance to play this week. Uh, that's a huge game. Um, I think you can make the argument it's even bigger than the Browns game to some extent, just because it's on the road. It'd be an important tiebreaker down the road, especially, you know, considering that only one of the Browns or Ravens will win that division. And then, you know, one of them is going to be fighting for a wild card. So um, that could be a big game. Uh, so in terms of how I would do a hierarchy, I would probably put the Bills first right now. I think they're a little bit more well-rounded than the Chargers, um, but the Chargers are right up with them. And then I think you probably, if we're just talking about playoff seeds, you have the Titans in there. They have to be. And then probably, uh, what's the other division I'm forgetting? The AFC South with the hot mess? No, I, no, yeah. I said the Titans. So it's oh, the Titans, Titans, the Ravens. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Titans, Ravens, Bills, and Chargers, right? Um, mm-hmm. Then I think as your wildcard teams, you probably have like the Browns in there, Um and at the Chiefs might be a wild card team, um, but they're you know yeah. probably going to be a really dangerous wild card team, and they could still come back and win the division. It wouldn't surprise me at all. They have another game against the Chargers. Um, never bet against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in that way as well. Uh, but uh, whatever way you put it, I think the Chargers are a top three team in the AFC, um, and that is just a yes. really encouraging thing to see. Um, obviously, that's very health dependent. Like if they have a major injury, things could go back and forth, but. Uh, I think that they'll probably still be a top four team in the AFC for the duration of the season, as long as they have Justin Herbert playing at this level, almost kind of regardless of the other injuries on the team. Not saying that applies to every player, but I think they can actually, you know, afford to not be completely healthy if they have this level of Justin Herbert, because he just makes up for so many other potential deficiencies. Yeah, I mean, we saw that last year with rookie Justin Herbert and how many things he made up for. Like, who are you throwing to? I don't know, but we're going to go win offensive rookie of the year anyway. As far as the AFC picture goes, Chargers or Bills? I mean, the Bills did have a more definitive win over the Chiefs in Arrowhead. But I don't really know. played anyone. Yeah, like I, I think the Chargers have just gone through. Like, I mean, I guess the Washington football team, which apparently isn't as good as we thought it was, but they were supposed to go through the ringer with that team and they won. Cowboys, they really should have won that game. Um, but the Chiefs in Arrowhead, that's your one of your AFC favorites, if not the AFC favorite, beat them in Arrowhead. Then you have the Raiders, who at the time were it was like whoever wins gets first place in the AFC, and they knocked off that team. And the Raiders are no longer good, but whatever. Uh, and then of course they had to beat the Browns, who were the other you know AFC favorite outside of the Bills, and they knocked them down. So I just think the Chargers have gone up against more. And however they've won, they have won. And within the context of the season, I think they've all been very impressive. So I have Chargers number one. That's where they sit, and that's where I'd have them. I think they've earned it. Um, but the Bills as, as like a 1B isn't too bad. Like I think the Bills certainly deserve to be in that conversation as a true contender. And then I just don't know what to really make of the Ravens. Obviously, we'll we'll figure it out next week. You know, they have the impressive win over the Chiefs, and then they lose to the Raiders, and they give me the upset you know, pick or whatever. 
So I don't really know what to expect of them, but we'll find out next week for sure. Um, the it's so funny that I'm looking at this the the standings and the Bengals are the wild card team and not the Browns <laughs> and the Broncos and Raiders are in the wild card but not the Chiefs. It's just right. and the Steelers are out of it. The, I mean the Colts are out of it. It's just a just a really weird AFC picture. Uh, the Titans are just the complete like functional team of that division. So sure. Um, so as it really stands right now, I think the Browns and the, the Chiefs will get into it. I, I don't know how long the Bengals can hold on, um, especially because they got hit by COVID recently. So they're having a couple of players put on the COVID list now. I don't know if that's going to get worse. Who was that? Sorry. Um, oh, the Bengals. So Carmen is out. P. Ryan is out. I think a couple other players maybe. Oh, wow. Um, for a team that you know kind of needs to be healthy to be good, yeah. you know, losing some players and, and COVID, I don't know how bad it's going to get. That's not good for the team. So, But I, I, at the end of the day, I think the Chargers are the number one team in the AFC. I'll say that the uh, Browns and Chiefs get back into it, but the uh, Bengals making the playoffs as the seventh seed comes at the expense of the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Bengals are solid, as Arjun points out in the chat. I think they're definitely better than what I thought they would be, and you know, credit to them. Yes. I made a lot of fun of them uh, because of how they handled the offensive <laughs> line, and you know, the offensive line has played well for them so far. You know, we'll see if it continues, but um, you know, I, I think it is. An interesting team. We'll see if that pans out, but they still have to play the rest of the division. I don't think they played a division game yet, uh, or they played the Steelers. I'm sorry, so they did beat the Steelers. But um, it, it is like to me the the Bills and the Chargers are one A one B. I think based off of who they've played, I think we have to put the Chargers at number one because the Bills haven't really played anybody outside of the Chiefs. They lost to the Steelers. I mean, they crushed Jacoby Brissett and the Dolphins. Like whoop dee. Um, I think what's tough for the Chargers when it relates to like the Bills. I don't I don't see a world in which the Bills are not the number one seed. Like their division is bad. They have an easy schedule. And so this is very much like a 2018 situation where the Chargers could be the best team in the conference, but because of you know an easy schedule for Buffalo, they could be, you know, kind of looking up at a potential playoff game in Buffalo, potentially playing the Chiefs in the wild card round. Like it, it's gonna be a tough thing for the Chargers to keep an eye on, you know, just because I think the Bills they could win 15 games they could win 14 games and i wouldn't be too surprised cool <laughs> my dog is going at it right now so i'm just muting myself <laughs> all right so uh anything else guys about the afc or kind of you know general thoughts about the chargers uh overall i would just say like i sort of need to see it to really put the chargers over the bills and that's tough because you know the bills don't play anybody so like sure. it's not like they'll have real too many tests coming up but like the bills are coming off of an afc championship game and i had to eat right. shit on josh allen so i mean <laughs> i can't i can't really like go against them too hard um and i feel like they you know even though they haven't played anybody super impressive they still do have that offense that just can put 40 points on anybody, much like the Chargers do uh, as well. But I sort of need to see the Chargers knock off the Bills for them to truly sure. be number one, unless the Bills go into some kind of slump. Sure, and I do think the Bills are a better team overall, like better roster. Like that defense is nasty. And, you know, unlike the Chargers, they don't really have a kink. Like the, the Bills are good at every level. They stop the run. They play the pass very well. Uh, they get turnovers. So the, the Chargers, I think, are a little bit better than some of their defensive statistics would say. But the Bills' defense is very, very good at every single level. The offense is great, loaded with weapons. 
uh, the king of the anti-vaxxer train, Cole Beasley, has done like nothing for them, and it just hasn't really mattered. So uh, they they need to feed my guy Zach Moss, though. Feed my guy Zach. Let him eat a little bit. Um, all right, let's jump into this game specific. I think um, the first thing that we have to talk about is, unfortunately, the injury to Ode Abuji. Uh, did confirm Brandon Staley is that is that he did have a torn ACL. Uh, Michael Schofield did come in the game and I thought he played, you know, pretty well given the circumstances. Had a really a couple really nice blocks in the run game. Uh, have not watched the L22 yet, of course. But, um, Tyler, we'll start with you. How do you feel about the right guard situation now that we know that Ode is out for the season? not great I, again I, i'm okay so I'll, i'm basically waiting for your breakdown of the offensive line i'm not going to go watch the <laughs> offensive line i'm just waiting okay. for yours um but i feel better considering things looked okay and then everything looks serviceable i i think we all understand who michael schofield is so yeah. it's not like a, a random guy coming in and it's like i don't know how he's going to perform we kind of know what we're going to get from schofield which is serviceable which is fine for your backup right guard that's fine i am obviously worried about the position moving forward an ACL tear is not great for anyone. I don't think it's yeah. obviously very good for linemen, um, especially this late in the game. I don't know how long it takes for a lineman to recover from an injury like that. But now it's just another unfortunate thing the Chargers have to think about moving forward. My my biggest concern is what is their what do they do at right tackle or right guard? So let's say Norton goes down. Are they going to kick out Filer to right tackle and then put Hymas at left guard? Is that kind of still the plan? Because Schofield is kind of going to be that left guard. You know what happens if I assume they'll activate Hymas moving forward. Yeah. But if they don't, like what is the plan there? Is it Pipkin's time at right tackle? That's more concerning to me. Is what is what is the plan if Norton goes down? And hopefully Belaga comes back soon to be able to answer that question. But that's more concerning for me. I, I feel okay about right guard, but I'm worried about that next injury potentially at right tackle. Yeah, it's definitely concerning. You know, I think Abuji was playing really, really well, you know, for who he is and you know, for being a journeyman, you know, offensive lineman, you know, they were getting some very good value out of him. So now you have Schofield coming in at right guard as much as I personally wish it would be Brendan Hymas, just because I, I'm very high on him. But I, I totally understand the thought process of going with a veteran player. Um, you know, Schofield is a step back from Odebushi. I feel like that's safe to say at this point. Um, you know, it might be a minimal step back, but it is a step back. And so if anything happens to Norton at this point, I think you have to kick Filer out at right tackle and then you kind of figure it out at left guard. I think that is the situation. Um, you know, they've taken Trey Pipkins from being <laughs> the extra run blocker to not having a role at all because of Michael Schofield. So I would love to see Brendan Hymas get that role, um, you know, get him some reps, get him some plays. But Brandon Staley said today that they don't think that Brendan Hymas is ready right now. Um, they want to give him time to prepare. They want to give him time to, you know, continue to develop. And he potentially said that they're going to look elsewhere for some guard help if they need it. Um, there's not really a whole lot out there. There's like Forrest Lamp and Nick Easton. Um, you know, that's pretty much it unless you're trading for somebody and teams aren't giving away quality offensive linemen these days. So I think for now we'll see Schofield get the start. Hymas will be offensive lineman number eight, and they'll probably activate Ryan Hunter as offensive lineman number nine and be that inactive on game day player. So it, it's definitely a hit, right? And we always knew that this could be a possibility, but I feel okay about Michael Schofield, similar to way in the fact that I feel okay about Storm Norton. So I'm not panicking yet about the offensive line. The good news is that they have an elite center. They have an elite left tackle. They have a very, very good left guard. 
And, you know, I think they have a very smart coaching staff. So I feel okay about Schofield, but I'm definitely a little bit concerned about the depth now. Yeah, I'm concerned about the depth. And, um, you know, I think that they can do it without Odeibushi. I don't think the drop-off between Ibushi and Schofield is necessarily huge. It is it is what it is. Um, I think that Ibushi having time to play in that system kind of made him the better fit. Sure. Um, but, you know, to me, I don't think there's a huge difference between them, just like in terms of what I imagine like their blocking grades are. Uh, now, the big concern for this in terms of the question marks is, is Brian Balaga, right? Like if Brian Balaga is coming back um, in place of Storm Norton, like in the long term, um, I feel less concerned about it because sure. then I think that you can sort of, you don't really have to help out Brian Balaga as much, but you really have Schofield having to help out Storm Norton himself. I mean, at least going forward. Um, and th- there's no real way around that. That's just kind of what they'll have to do now. Going forward, the Browns are probably the worst that they'll have to deal with in terms of like opposing pass rush. Um, you know, they won't have like a, another huge matchup with that for probably another, you know, at least three, four until weeks. The yeah, till, till the Steelers when it comes to like big edge rushers and that guys that can just overpower you um, and overpower your line. But yeah, it, it's a tough loss, definitely, just because of the consistency of all you know, five of those guys having played uh, really since the Dallas game all together. And now they're, you know, having another change, unfortunately, uh, like with uh, when Blago went down in the first game. So um, I think it's kind of a wait and see thing. I don't think it's, uh, you know, the end of the world, kind of like Steven said, but because they're already down Balaga and we don't think he's really going to come back soon and yeah. they're, you know, they they really are another offensive line injury away from kind of being in the shitter. Um, so, you know, hopefully pray for the left side of the offensive line and Lindsley uh, that they stay healthy. But as of now, I think they can at least get through this current portion of their schedule with uh, Schofield and uh, Norton as it as it's operating. Yeah. And. I don't know. Like it's an attrition position as Brandon Staley says, or a position group, if you want to say, but um, you know, I feel okay about Schofield in, in the short term. And like Alex said, if Brian Belaga comes back, then we obviously feel better about it, but we don't know if he comes back or anything. Um, Daniel, to your point about Drew Tranquil, uh, do not really have an update from him. Brandon Staley didn't mention him. Nobody really asked about him. Maybe he thinks Tranquil's kind of okay at this point. I don't know. I, I hope, we get an update from uh, Brandon Slade on Wednesday because that one, losing Drew Tranquil, would be a catastrophe for this team. Um, all right, let's talk about the wide receiver position for this Chargers team because I know we don't want to talk about this, but I think we're having a changing of the guard right now with Mike Williams uh, becoming the wide receiver one on this team. Played fantastic yesterday. Alex and I pointed out on our preview episode, we were really interested in seeing how that would go um, after having only one catch against the Raiders and he balled out, man. Like he is so good. He is great off of the line of scrimmage. He's great in space. We saw him do a little bit more con- contested catches uh, in this game, but obviously didn't really come down with any. So Mike Williams is on pace for uh, over hundred catches over 1600 yards and 20 touchdowns. Obviously I don't think that's going to be the case, but man, is he playing great right now? Yeah, I mean, he's really playing fantastic beyond all of our expectations. He is the wide receiver one. Uh, Give him $50 million. I don't (laughs) care. Whatever he asks for. Um, 
I've just been so impressed by his route running um, yeah. in particular, like the last two weeks. Like it's just been awesome to watch him like juke guys out of his shoes and the busted coverages. Like it's just been great to see him just get wide open. And me and Arjun were actually talking about uh, on the pregame, you know, live Q&A you know, hey, are the Chargers due for that 50-yard touchdown? Are the Chargers, uh, is it going to happen? And then it happened, you know, so twice, twice you know, uh, both of those uh, strikes to Mike Williams. So it was really nice to see him being the guy. A lot of people were talking about, like, oh, Jalen Guyton has to be the guy to go get that 50-yard touchdown based off of what we saw last year. Um, but Mike Williams' route running has improved, and if you get him alone or get him in space, like, it's just hard to get – quarterbacks that can catch up to him especially with the state of the cleveland secondary and what it was and denzel ward you know not being able to do what he can do plus they greedy williams unfortunately poor guy had to cover mike williams all day and that's not fun um so yeah i i just thought yeah mike williams is just uh the best uh, like i i think that he's really elevating as a receiver it's just nice to see this it's so overdue and I'm just happy his usage is better and he's not just jump ball Mike anymore, you know, just getting hospital balls thrown at him into triple coverage. Like right. I'm just happy that era <laughs> is over uh, and we get to see what, you know, first round pick Mike Williams looks like, because this is something really special. Um, obviously having Justin Herbert has uh, boosted him, but more than anything, I think this is a guy who is going to be a top 15, if not top 10 receiver. Uh, at some point going forward. It's a big time praise there. Uh, Mike Williams, it's especially against the Chiefs, watching him again be a slant boy, which none of us predicted. No, I mean, we heard slant it, boy. we thought about it. Everyone calls Mike Thomas that slant boy, but I never thought that Mike Williams would be that guy. Here we are, and that's what he can do. But he's winning so well with those slants that he can hit again against the, against the Chiefs, the slant and go to win because you have to respect what he can do on the inside now. I still hesitate to call him the wide receiver one over Keenan Allen. Maybe that's that. because, well, it's because of Keenan Allen's Keenan Allen, I guess, even though the well, targets are there. Like, I think they're using him like he is their featured receiver. I don't know. If, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like, uh, go for it, Alex. Let no, no, no. I, I, I totally see what you're saying. Like, to me, wide receiver one doesn't mean, like, I would rank him over Keenan Allen right now. <laughs> like, of course not. Um, but, I mean, in terms of his usage and the routes that he's running, like, I mean, he is wide receiver one. Like that, that is the featured role that they have mm-hmm. him in. Um, and, you know, we'll see how high he climbs the wide receiver rankings next year, but I don't foresee a world in which he's so much better than Keenan Allen more so than his usage uh, is kind of more useful, I guess. Uh, and then Keenan Allen, obviously Keenan Allen yeah. will still be super important. Uh, and he has the game that will age well for years, just with his style of route running and all that does have to correct the drops though. Uh, but I think that will yeah. you know come in time. But uh, no, I mean, for me, it's just the usage and the fact that like he can run a slant route because they never did that for four years since he was drafted. Yeah. Um, and like the fact that we're finding out that he does have a pretty diverse route running tree after all. And like they're, they've been working on that. So like that to me is the kind of stuff that makes him wide receiver one. In addition to the fact that he's six, five, like it's mm-hmm. just this monster to cover on the boundary. Like you just see these guys kind of like slumping and try to like get over him. Like that, uh, poor, like Raiders, uh, quarterback the other week who was like all over him. And he still just <laughs> found a way to catch that ball. Like yeah. it, that's just the kind of thing that Mike Williams does now. Um, I don't think wide receiver one is so much a statement that he's better than Keenan Allen, 
as much as it is this is his breakout year and this is how he's going to be used in this offense and as much as we question joe lombardi like he wasn't bullshitting he's the wide receiver one no not at all i'm so again i'm shocked that how this turned out like this but again you take one coaching staff who does things one way and all of a sudden they can just transform a player and it's been incredible They, they get in the ball with intention he can win with this intermediate, everything deep, and he can win with his body. I think I feel like the game is against the Browns is more like a classic Mike Williams sort of thing where he's just winning because he's huge and he can kind of box guys out. There are some throws that Justin Herbert's attempting where I'm pretty sure Keenan Allen, Jalen Guyton, all these guys, maybe even Jared Cook, Parham, they don't make those catches, Just but he's just so much bigger. Herbert will throw it before Williams has turned around, and Williams is just like, okay, well, I'll get it for you. Don't worry about it. He just <laughs> absorbs it. Although I was surprised to see that at least for pro football focus that Keenan Allen only has one more drop than Mike Williams. That was kind of surprising to me. I would have guessed it were more than that. Um, A lot. That's a lot. You know, Keenan Allen has only, I think two drops last year. and I think six drops the year before. So five through five games is not good, but I was kind of surprised that Williams only had one fewer drop because I feel like we're talking about the Keenan Allen drops more than the Mike Williams drops. Yeah. uh, But it's only difference of one. Well, I feel like that one is relative to what we expect out of Keenan. And like we're so used to just seeing him catch, he'll, he'll catch everything, right? And so, I think you know that could be a difference of how we differentiate a, dro- a drop versus how PFF or whoever is grading and charting that game does. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could tell that Keenan was frustrated after one drop. Like then he caught a pass for a first down, and he like he like he threw the ball down and like didn't celebrate. He kind of just like went back to the huddle. Like you could tell that he was mad at himself. Um, and I think that's what matters. And it's it is an interesting dynamic, like getting kind of back to it, but. I do think it is kind of a 1A, 1B situation. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it, Keenan Allen's the one that they go to on fourth down. Like, Keenan Allen's the one they go to in the clutch mm-hmm. um, for the most part outside of the Kansas City game that we've seen. Um, but I do think Justin Herbert and his offense will be able to sort support both. But obviously, they both have to stay healthy. And if we get to the end of the season, I think Williams is going to have a better season at this point because Keenan Allen – you know, he's not getting the yards. He's not getting the touchdowns. And so I think that's kind of where we're seeing the difference right now, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is we could talk about like which one will have the bigger impact and which one will have the better stats by the end of the season. But like, I honestly don't care, <laughs> Like, you know, because it's to me, it's more about are you above replaceability and are you doing your job? Right. Because to me, that was the whole conversation with Mike Williams uh, prior to the season was, all right, is he going to prove that he's worth that contract? Or can you go get a receiver in the draft that's cheaper? Can you go get somebody else that's cheaper, right? Much like what the Chargers did with uh, Jared Cook and Hunter Henry, right? Where it's like, okay, well, yeah. this production's nice, but I can go get it somewhere else. And Mike Williams is proving beyond a shadow of a doubt that, no, you can't replace me with someone better because I'm a top 15 guy. Like, and that's just uh, really awesome to see uh, going forward. So to me, maybe the season ends up being Mike having 1500 yards. God, I can't believe I'm saying that. Um, And (laughs) Keenan having a thousand or whatever it might be. But as long as the offense is working, I think the Chargers have really identified themselves as a pick your poison type team, which is okay. Well, if you're going to double cover Mike and Keenan this game, then it's going to be Austin Eckler and the tight ends feasting on you. And if you cover the tight ends, well, then it's going to be this, right? So like, uh, I think not that the Chargers don't care about stats, like everybody cares about their own stats, but I think that they're sort of an unselfish offense and we'll just go to whatever's working and whatever's open at the time. Yeah. And, um, it's just been, 
Like they have so many weapons at this point. You know, Donald Parham in other teams is probably a tight end one, is probably getting five, six, seven targets a game. And, you know, he gets one or two a game. All he does is score touchdowns or get first downs. It's been incredible. Um, last thing I'll, I'll say about Mike Williams, his career high in catches so far is 49. And he has 31 right now. And given his current pace, he will surpass his career high in catches in three games. So um, it's been a crazy season for Mike Williams. Uh, could not be more happy to uh, to see it come to fruition because we were hard on him, right? Especially in training camp, we were not really seeing things that we liked. And he has proved us wrong. And that's definitely something to celebrate. Um, let's move on to another receiver because there's an interesting dynamic that happened in this game where Jalen Guyton was back catching punts. And it was with KJ Hill. Like, they were both back there. But Jalen Guyton was back there and catching punts. So what the hell is KJ Hill doing on this roster if Jalen Guyton's catching punts at this point? I'm so confused by that decision. I'm also confused by the Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree decision. Um, Yeah. Those two things in particular, I think, uh, merit some uh, ranting and confusion because I did not understand those at all today or yesterday. Not that Darius Winton is actually on the hot seat, but on my personal imaginary hot seat, that's where <laughs> Darius Winton sits. Um, because, I don't know, the special teams is bad, man. Like, I don't know what they're doing on punt returns, on kick returns. They just start oh. every drive at the 15 because Larry Roundtree takes kicks out. Like, It's just, it's really tough to watch, and I don't know what they were doing. As far as Jalen Guyton, I actually thought he had a pretty cool game. He had that clutch catch, uh, yeah. no drops, you know, uh, only two catches for 30 yards. But, like, that's what he needed to do, and that's what the game called for. So credit to him for bouncing back from what had been kind of a rough previous few weeks for him. Um, but, yeah, the, the special teams is just, I don't know. And then you have Viscaino, who we'll talk about later. But, um, yeah, I don't know what they were doing with Hill and uh really Guyton both there and I'm just like what's the point just put Guyton as punt returner he would probably be faster and probably is a better fielder anyway um like so at this point I don't know the the special teams is just it's really hard to watch and I hope it's something they fix coming out of the bye week I love that KJ Hill finally lets the ball go over his head and bounce in the end zone. And his, his reward for that was having Jalen Guyton go out with him <laughs> on the next punt return. It's like, good job. You did your job. Okay, let's get Guyton out there. Let's do it. Yeah. I don't understand what was going on. I don't know if they're trying to set up some sort of trick thing or like, hey, go get the punt returner. Yeah. Oops, it's the other one. I don't know. It was so strange because they were trying to work out that mid-game. And then Larry Roundtree, who averaged, I think, 15 yards of return on four returns or whatever it was, which is awful. Then they have Nasir Adderley go out there for, I think, one kick return. So it's like they were sorting out their special teams mid-game, which is like, what are we? What was training camp? Like, what are we doing here? You should have yeah. just signed Cordero Patterson because, I mean, that guy is one of the best kick returners in the history of the NFL, and he was great last year. I don't know what his role is currently, but should have just signed him. Instead, it's Larry Roundtree, who, you know, if you want a guy to, if you want him to be a kick returner because you think he can reach a top speed better, you know, catch the ball, wind up and go, that's fine. But he ain't running that fast. Like watching him on the returns, it's kind of like, oh, here I go, tackled at the 15. Like that's, that's the best you got. Like I'd rather have a little bit more speed out there or something. It's a very strange, like, I, I don't know if it is a Swinton thing or a Staley thing. If it is a Swinton thing and Staley has no say in that regard. That's strange. Um, I trust the team knows what they're doing because Staley seems to predict things games in advance. But it's such a strange situation. I don't know what's going on between 
you know, the Hill thing not working, and then now Guyton's in, then Rontree's not a good kick returner, but sometimes we're going to put in Adderley, and then, you know, Vizcaino can't hit a, a extra point in a, in a stadium indoors to save his life. It's just a strange, strange sequence of things. It's just not working right now. They need to change something up. Probably happens at the bye, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I, I, I was just going to say, like, I don't know what their special team's DVOA is. It's probably pretty low. Um, but, you know, just kind of going into this, it's not that bad right now because it hasn't costed them a game yet. But going back to that Vizcaino miss PAT, if the Browns get the ball back and run the clock out, like we're talking about that and it's probably leading yes. the show today, right? Mm-hmm. So um, in addition to bad Chargers run defense, which we're, we didn't lead the show, but we're going to talk about it at some point. Um, but yeah, no, so that's that, that's just my thing with the special teams miscues is uh, it, it doesn't feel that bad because they haven't lost a game on it yet, but... They probably will if things don't get better yep. down the road. Yeah, so uh, they're 31st in special teams DVOA. <laughs> who's who's worse? The Falcons, which is of crazy because because they have they Patterson, have Patterson. Patterson <laughs> and he's doing well. Um, it it uh. definitely, like, the punt returner thing is weird to me because, like, you're taking a blocker off of the field because yeah. neither whoever caught the pass obviously was catching it. The other person who's not catching the pass is not blocking. They're just kind of like mm-hmm. chilling. So I, I don't really understand it. And you could tell that Nasir Adderley was frustrated with the kickoff returning situation because he he went out twice. He, he he returned one, broke like seven tackles to gain 14 yards. It was fun. It was a great 14 yards. Then the <laughs> second one, Larry Roundtree kind of like cut him off. And you could tell that Adderley was like, this, this is my ball. Like, I need to return this. <laughs> so it, I don't understand like what the situation there is. Like, pick one. I don't care who it is, just pick one because you're taking a blocker off of the field and you have four guys, uh, you have three of the four guys who cannot break a tackle to save their lives. So just pick one. Like, I, I don't care who it is at this point. I mean, I prefer would it would be Jalen Guyton and then you can get an actual receiver as a wide receiver five, but just pick one. Like, it's just weird to me. And like we heard from several of the beat writers that was like, the special teams emphasis from Darius Swinton is unlike anything that they've other, ever seen from other NFL coaching staffs. That sounds great. We're not seeing it put into practice right now. They're 31st in special teams DVA, which it's, it sucks because that's an upgrade over last year. But like we need to see this be up in the 25 range, like minimum. So I don't know. Like the Viscano thing, they're going to be patient with. I guess we can get into that right now. But as it pertains to the returners, Go sign someone. You're getting nothing. You are getting, you know, it'd be better to just take the touchbacks at this point. So just go mix it up. I don't really care what you do, but just go mix it up. If you want to be patient with Viscaino, I get it. That's fine. He's young, whatever. But fix the return game, please. Darius Winton is Darius Stewart until uh, further notice for me. (laughs) So that's that's how I'm branding him until he fixes special teams. Um, but no, uh, well, I, I guess we can get into this kind of now, but yeah, go for it. My thing was, yeah, I mean, look, the Kansas city thing, you missed two PATs in the wind. It is what it is. Sure. Um, but yeah, this game, no, it's not nope. acceptable. Like you, you just can't miss two PATs like he did. And I think this is a super important game for him at Baltimore because if he misses a field goal, miss PATs, they're going into the bye and they can make a change like, um, yeah. just yep. flat out. And 
thanks for Ty Long for looking his up name up on Twitter today and uh, <laughs> ratioing me. But uh, I mean, you know, he was kind of giving that talk to Viscaino and being like, hey, I, I think they lip synced it and was like, don't throw away your opportunity. And, you know, if Viscaino has another game like that, it could be the end of him as a charger. Um, so to me, it's just like we need to see more from him and. You know, I saw a lot of people talking about like going for two, like on every uh, possession and stuff like that. But it's like, we shouldn't have to fucking do that. We should just have a guy <laughs> that is capable of yeah. putting a point through the upright. Like, it really frustrates yeah. me that this team every single year has to really just sw- you swerve themselves around and like figure out how they're going to deal with bad special teams. But it's just like, here's the key to that. You could have good special teams instead. Like you, you yeah. don't really have to like, you don't have to live like this. This is how I feel about the Chargers special teams. And it's like we've, I, I, like, we've, we've figured out the offensive linemen. Like we have good offensive linemen now. Like do the same thing with the special teams. Like it shouldn't be this hard. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like, you know, hype trains always are crazy in the off season. I don't blame reporters for talking about Darius Swinton. Like, you know, he's Vince Lombardi or something, but uh, it's just tough to, you know, see what the product is now and be like, well, we're, we're not any better than we were last year. 32nd to 31st isn't an upgrade to me. Like the only thing that's better is that we're four and one and not one and four. Um, but that was because so many other things were wrong with the team last year in addition to special teams. So right. um, I think special teams is just kind of not getting the brunt of the reaction right now because they're four and one, but it's yep. just like, it needs to be better. And if not, they're going to lose some games in the second half and lose some ground to whatever it is, the chiefs in the division or the bills in the first seed race. Uh, and you know, then we're going to be looking stupid. Yeah. Tristan Vesca, you know, is so bad that we asked Nick Novak, or I talked to Nick Novak about coming on the show and I was waiting for an opportunity for him to be good for this guy, to be good to come on the show. Cause that's who Nick Novak, Nick Novak was working with him. And uh, he's not on the show yet. So that's kind of tells you how uh, this guy, you know, has been doing because uh, we're still waiting for that good performance. And I haven't hit up Nick again because I was kind of waiting for him. Like, all right, let's talk about your client. But two missed extra points in the indoor yeah, stadium in an indoor stadium. And they were not bad good. Misses. Like, it's not like he bad. kicked it like straight at the at the pole. And it was like, a yeah. doink. like, I would understand that. Like that happens. Yes. But that shit was like seven yards to the left, bro. And yeah. like. I, I watched the broadcast today because I didn't notice yes. this. they were kicking PATs <laughs> on the opposite side. And the second one that they that he missed to go to tie the game at 42, the ball was level. It was horizontal and went like this to the other side. Like, how does that happen to you? So I understand they're gonna be patient with him. I'm seeing people in the in the chat suggest Michael Badgley. Like, God no, like absolutely not. Um, you know, we'll see what happens, I guess, but Brandon Staley was basically like, he's a rookie. Like, we got to be patient. And I get that. But it's PATs, man. <laughs> it's an indoor stadium. Like, we got to be better. Um, so really quickly, had a couple of super chats that I wanted to get to. Um, Matthew Henriksen, a.k.a. Get Some Sports, uh, sent us some a super chat uh, sticker. Shout out to Matt. Great guy. Got to meet him again. Meet up with him again yesterday. Um, and then where was the other one? Envy Talent, who also always supports the show. Shout out to him. Uh, he wants to know really quickly about picking up Marlon Mack. Obviously, he's not having a role with the Colts because Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines uh, are very good. And, you know, Marlon Mack is kind of in uh, kind of wait and see mode right now with his role. He's available for trade. So really quickly, what do you guys think about trading for Marlon Mack? 
Can he do punt returns and kick returns? If so, uh, sign me up. Here's a first round pick. Does <laughs> he get extra points? Or, or if he can hit extra points. Uh, now, if you're asking me if I if they could train for Naheem Hines, I'll I'll sign up for that because I know 100%. that he does return. Uh, did you guys see his quote about that the other day? I don't care if I. Die he was like, <laughs> he was like, I'm ready to die back there. I just want to return it <laughs> and help my team win. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, I, I, I'm not into the idea of trading capital for a running back. Um, I think they could probably find the equivalent of that in their running back room. Just give Larry Roundtree more touches or Joshua Kelly more touches if you want. Um, I'm not into the idea of trading running backs, trading for running backs, I should say. Um, there are definitely some other trades that I think the Chargers should make, but um, yeah. definitely not a running back. So, um, all right, let's. I wanted to be positive today. We ranted about the special teams. We'll continue to be positive in a minute, but we have to talk about this run defense oh because. My God. <laughs> The Chargers missed 18 tackles yesterday, 18 in a game. They had missed 26 in the previous four games combined, and they missed 18 yesterday. And Nasir Adderley, who I have been very high on and have declared him the breakout star of the Chargers defense, he missed five himself, uh, a couple of which directly led to touchdowns. So um, this is a concern, and I think it's fair that we talk about this, right, because at this point we're talking about the Chargers as – potentially being the best team in the AFC. We're talking about them being a, you know, potential Super Bowl contender. Uh, I see the super chat from Pedro talking about a, a trade for a defensive lineman to help the run defense, but this is a problem. They're back to being 32nd in the league per in rush yards allowed per game. And eventually it's going to come back to bite them in the ass like it did against the Cowboys. I know there were other things, right, that contributed to that loss, but the Cowboys and the Browns are two very good rushing teams. They'll play other good rushing teams down the road, and it probably will bite them in the ass again down the road. So um, I'm concerned about the run defense for sure. Uh, I mean, join the club. I've been concerned about the run <laughs> defense for 50 years, it feels like. Um, I don't know. It's just, you know, this is uh, the post-Justin Jones world, uh, and uh, Kenneth Murray's not coming back, uh, at least for another three weeks either. He wasn't playing that well to begin with, so these are yeah. the guys that they got. Uh, Linval Joseph looks kind of cooked. Um, and so, yeah, he's not going to be back next year, but I thought he played well yesterday. Personally, I don't think he played that well. He had that one good run stop, but other than that, I just don't feel like he was around as much as he should have been. I thought he played pretty well against the Raiders. Um, kind of my dud of the game, to be honest, we'll get to that, but I just don't feel like there's anybody that's very assertive, like Christian Covington, you know, fine. Like, Linval Joseph has been okay, but, like, they have Jerry Tillery, who sort of disappeared again. Um, And so, you know, for me, it's just, like, they don't have anyone that really scares you to stand up in the run game, and that's what you need in the interior line. Um, Now, they're winning all these games, and that's going to be the thing that people tout going forward, but it's, like, eventually there's going to be, like, a 200-yard game that kills you. Um I don't know how to really like say that, uh, but I mean, it did kind of against the Cowboys, even though they had a chance to win that at the end of the game still Um, running the ball. Staley's general philosophy is like we've talked about. He's much more comfortable giving you uh, 10 yards on the ground than he has 10 yards in the air or 10 plus yards in the air, just because that prevents that big play. Um, But yeah, I think Chubb and Hunt just, tired out the defense yesterday and then when they were ready to go they were ready to go um and then you see that chubb break that 52 yard touchdown thanks for the fantasy points by the way 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it was good that we got the Chargers win and Chubb fantasy points. But um, no, I, I just feel like this is what it's going to be for the rest of the year. It's bad and it's not going to help. And, and it's not going to change until they get new personnel. Like people were talking about at halftime. Oh, what's the adjustment we make in the run game? I'm like, the adjustment you make in the run game is get different players. <laughs> like, to be brutally honest, like this, this run group doesn't have it right now. Um, I don't think there's like different defensive shifts or something creative you can do. This is just how it's going to be. And some weeks it'll be worse. Like obviously the Browns have an elite run def- uh, elite run game when it comes to Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Uh, and you're not going to be going against them every week, but this is going to bite them in the ass at some point, whether it's the playoffs or whatever. And again, yeah, like we said, if Piscino misses that PAT and they don't get the ball back, like, yeah, we're talking about the run defense, you know, first thing today. Yeah, you know, I visited my dying grandfather and the run defense was still the worst thing I saw this whole weekend. It was... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you got to make humor when you can. Um, anyway, <laughs> would you be surprised to know that Linval Joseph has a higher pass rush productivity and win rate than Jerry Tillery right now. Oh shit! Yeah, so th- no, I wouldn't be on. because that's that's what I would expect. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh, I, and again, we just talked about the AFC playoff picture. Who are they playing? You know, uh, <laughs> the Browns, the Ravens, the Titans. Thank God the Chiefs only have Clyde Edwards-Helaire, sort of. Uh, but it's gonna be rough. Like if they want to win in the AFC, I, I, I get, look, they could they could outscore these teams. That's fine. But like, right. come on, like you got you got to be able to stop the run. A little bit because that was dreadful. 18 missed tackles is that's really bad. Like, that's the thing is that there were opportunities for this to be significantly better. And you know, Derwin had a couple chances in the hole, Tranquil had a couple chances, Kaiser Wright had some chances, Mr. Adderley had some chances. They're reading the play well. It's just that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were breaking all these tackles. Like, 18 tackles in a game is crazy. And so I thought that some of them had some good moments. Like there was that play that Tranquil had in the red zone where he, you know, he shot through the gap and he tackled Chubb for a loss. And there was a play when Derwin Mm -hmm. had a tackle for loss and Mr. Adderley had a tackle for loss. So there were moments. It's just like consistently putting it together. And what I thought we would see potentially is, you know, putting, you know, Forrest Merrill out there and having the four defensive tackles, the two edge rushers, like we saw a little bit against the Raiders. We didn't really see that whole lot. Forrest Merrill played some more. He was my X factor for last week. You didn't really see much of him. I'll, I'll wait to confirm uh, on the all 22 for that one. But they, Alex is right. Like They need better personnel. And I'm generally not one to you know advocate for these trades and whatnot. But go call Miami, man. They have three defensive tackles that are in the top 10 in, de- in defensive run stops among defensive tackles. Go get Christian Wilkins. Go do whatever. Um, obviously, the good news is that it hasn't cost them multiple games only cost the one see there were other factors like i said but you know this run defense is going to be a playoff issue and i understand like we're trying to be positive vibes today and i saw the person criticize us for over analyzing the chargers right now but we're the mindset has changed like we're not talking about this team as like you know transitioning to a new era like we're talking about them as contenders right now because of how they have played what's up alex John Gruden has resigned as Raiders head coach. Holy shit! <laughs> what? Ooh. Oh my gosh! So, what, is, what emails do they have on him? Urban Meyer, you want to come next, than... buddy? 
<laughs> that's got to be way worse than just the one that we heard about. Oh, no. He must have something. It must be really bad, and I'm very excited to hear what it is. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Thank we get to play Gus, Gus Bradley a little more. We get to, and he, I guarantee you, because their defense, I think, is a little bit better, Bradley is going to convince them to be their next head coach. <laughs> you know that's happening. Well, because they can't, they won't be able to afford to pay anyone better. Because they're going to still be paying John Gruden his guaranteed hundred million dollar contract. Oh wow. man, Jack Del Rio wow. was better. I mean, he was. Yes. Yeah, he was. They were good. <laughs> that was a lot. Oh. Of- <laughs> wow. Oh wow! I can't wait to talk to my dad about this one. Oh. God. Anyway, so who cares about the Charges? Let's talk about this a little bit more. Come on. Yeah. Um, okay. Wow. Okay. Let's let's transition to this. Um, we're going to do studs and duds in a minute here. <laughs> but first, Alex has an ad from one of our new sponsors. <laughs> if he's ready. For uh, it. So, if we... <laughs> Sorry, I really Um, put you on the spot here. I'm sorry. Alex, is Urban Meyer a Gruden grinder? Uh, Urban Meyer Meyer is going to be the biggest Gruden grinder left. I mean, he he has to carry the torch. Uh, He had the quote today about running for 250 yards and passing for 250 yards every game, and I almost vomited in my mouth. Um, But uh, anyway, our sponsor is ExpressVPN, and the good folks at ExpressVPN uh, would like you to watch John Gruden's final game in beautiful (laughs) All-22, and so uh, they would like you to see that, but unfortunately in America, they don't have All-22 yet, Uh, and so you can't see all the angles of John Gruden cringing and grimacing as he knows he's in his final hours on the sideline. Um, So, but the solution to this is that you can use a VPN and get that NFL International Game Pass. And that's where our friends at ExpressVPN come in. So you can go to expressvpn.com guilty uh, and watch the fall of the Las Vegas Raiders in every camera angle you want and live games internationally. So get that VPN. Go to expressvpn.com guilty. Well done. Well done, sir. Well done. Put you on the spot and you came up with a great ad on the fly. Um, all right, let's talk about some of these uh, studs and duds, and then we'll wrap it up with some questions. Um, let's start with studs. Obviously, I think um, I think I know where Tyler is going to go here. We obviously talked about Mike Williams and Justin Herbert quite a bit. Um, I'll let you start, Tyler. I, I think I know where you're going to go with this one, but I'll let you start. So who's your stud of the day? Hold on. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you fine. Oh, thank goodness. Okay, I, I lost the StreamYard streams. I wasn't sure if I was still on mute. Uh, I, my stud is going to be Austin Eckler. I could go a couple ways. Obviously, Justin Herbert is the he's a stud, but I'm going to yeah. go with Austin Eckler with 119 yards, three touchdowns, including that game winner, which technically was given an assist. <laughs> so um, funny, but he did, which is <laughs> amazing. But for, again, with the another another week, another game, Austin Eckler game on the line. They're running left with Austin Eckler, just putting the game away. There is no doubt about, even though the stat line says 3.9 yards per carry. There's no doubt in my mind that the other running backs, any other running back on this team would have done far worse because Austin Eckler, I'm surprised he only has two missed tackles uh, or two forced missed tackles on the day because it looked like he was making everybody miss getting one more yard, two more yards. Everything that seemed to be hit behind the line of scrimmage, another three yard. He got another three yards out of it. He was just grinding away. Um, excellent in the big spurts, of course, but even in those small moments where he only got one or two yards, it was better than probably than the minus one or zero that they would have gotten 
with another running back. To me, I think he's been the best player the last two weeks on this team. Uh, I just think on a per play basis, obviously the effect is not the same uh, or as strong as someone like Justin Herbert or maybe a Derwin James, but I do think he's been the best player for sure. Uh, he was he was awesome, man. And we gave a lot of, you know, we gave a whole segment to Mike Williams. We probably could have done the same thing for Austin Eckler. But I want to need a snap count. And he himself is on pace for a 17 game uh, stretch. That's, you know, crazy for Austin Eckler. So um, I think that's absolutely a good call. Uh, I'm going to take the paper. Of course, I'm going to go with the offensive lineman. I'm going with Rashawn Slater. Um, he is so good. And I know technically PFF have, has him for two sacks. I think those are questionable uh, at best. I think he played fantastic. And the balls on this man to tell his running backs, I don't need help on Miles freaking Garrett. I'm going to take him one-on-one and be on an island. Uh, you know, he's just so good. And the fact that the Chargers have, you know, a franchise quarterback and a franchise left tackle, both on rookie contracts, it's truly amazing. And Rashawn Slater, he just wins in so many different ways, right? Like we, I was talking with uh, – Mike Cuomo today on Twitter, like he can jump set, he can quick set, he can take a deep set, he can win with his hands, he can win with his anchor, he can recover with the best of them. So the Chargers have an elite left tackle. I don't care who uh, thinks otherwise. I think you're wrong. Um, so Rashawn Slater, my stud of the day. Yeah, um, I think my stud of the day, uh, it's kind of obvious, but it's got to be a Mike Williams. Uh, I, I don't think there's, you know, anyone else to pick for stud. I just talked romantically about him before we got a <laughs> Gruden bomb. Um, oh, you know, man. I did world. not expect this uh, to happen for him this season. Uh, I was, you know, open to the idea of letting him walk and putting Josh Palmer there, but He's kind of like my favorite player on the Chargers now. Um, it sounds weird to say that, but I really just like how the guy has uh, pretty much improved at everything uh, and that they're using him in this way. And we sort of like had this gem that we never knew we had. Um, so I got to give it to Mike Williams. Uh, obviously, what did he finish with? 165 yards, eight receptions, two touchdowns. Have yourself a day. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, take a victory lap, sir. Um, all right, let's talk about some duds, and then we'll, we'll check some of these questions uh, in a second. So if you have any specific questions that you haven't asked already, go ahead and ask them, and please use the Super Chat if you do feel so inclined. Uh, my wife has texted me that she is watching, so hi. Thanks for watching. Um, all right, let's talk about some duds of the day, I think. Uh, Alex, you already mentioned who your dud is going to be, so uh, have at it with Linbaugh Joseph. <laughs> well, it, it feels... I don't feel like it's right anymore to limit it to just Linval Joseph. I think okay. the entire <laughs> interior defensive line deserves a dud of the day um, because they just, I mean, look, they just need to be more assertive and look, Chubb and Hunt are going to do that. Like I get that, but I just, I think that there's a way, I don't think there's a way that you're going to make this run defense good, but it has to be better than 32nd. And like, to me, that indicates somewhat of a point of attack problem, a little bit of an effort problem. Like to me, that's really what's going on. If you're 32nd in the league with the kind of personnel they have, obviously yeah. it's not very good, but um, I, I just think it has to be better. And we saw it be a little bit better against Vegas. Like, and again, Vegas is different because, you know, their interior line is not so great right now. And Josh Jacobs was hurt in that game, but I just want to see a higher level of guys getting in the backfield and making run stops and not missing tackles. Um, and if you're doing that, then it's problematic. Uh, so to me, 
I think Linval Joseph has definitely declined, but Jerry Tillery kind of comes in and out of games. Some weeks he's on fire. Some weeks he's, you know, completely gone from on a milk carton. Uh, and Christian Covington, you know, sometimes is there, sometimes isn't. Uh, I just feel like they don't really have a consistent guy in the middle right now who you know is going to show up every game. And uh, they've sort of lacked that for a while. They had it last year with Linval Joseph, but they sort of got the bad years of Brandon Meebane. Um, and I just, it's come time to really have some presence in the middle, whether that's spending a first round pick on it or signing a free agent or making a trade. Um, they just need more assertiveness there, especially because their edge play is so good, right? You have Joey Bosa and you have Kyler Fackrell and you have Nwosu, right? But they just need a guy who's going to be able to make plays in the middle. Yeah, no, uh, night and day, sorry. Ahead, I was going to say, it's a night and day difference between last week i guess the raiders aren't a good rushing team because i thought they were finally turning the corner like okay here we go you know and they did play well but then i mean just the complete reversal of what happened against the raiders uh my dud if not for an interior defensive lineman i was tempted to say joey bosa but i do feel like the scheme of the offense and just generally what they were doing limited what he could do like the numbers aren't good for joey bosa but you see the triple teams you see the screens you see things going away from him so I'm not going to put that too much on him, although you'd like to see more against back sure. and tackle. So I'm going to go with Asante Samuel Jr. for giving up the most yards of the corners kind of by far. The only corner to give up a touchdown that game, missing two tackles. He was semi-bench sort of like halfway through the game and into the second half. He only played 14 snaps in coverage. I'm not quite sure why they decided. Like I thought that maybe Tavon Campbell and Lohi Gilman and Chris Harris Jr. were rotating. So maybe there was just like a rotation sort of thing when Chris Harris Jr. came back, but I was surprised that it's coming at the expense of Asante Samuel Jr. But then yeah. was it because they're trying to rotate like that or because of poor play? But like, why would you yank Asante Samuel Jr. that quickly? I don't know, um, but it just wasn't good. And honestly, if I'm watching that like college tape, I'm kind of giving us or excuse me, Asante Samuel Jr. some props for being close. Like he's he's almost timed yeah, it perfectly yeah. you've seen plenty of really good pass breakups that he's had making that play he was just half a second behind so you do see the positives there it just this happened to be a game where he just wasn't big enough just wasn't fast enough and you know gave up some you know get two missed tackles 60 something yards that one touchdown um so I don't, i'm not worried about him at all but it's a dud game yeah i think we have to be fair and you know i was reminded on twitter today of brandon stadium's quote where win or lose we're going to tell the truth and i think that's been kind of exactly. our motto here as well. And, um, you know, he, he he was really close on that one pass break, potential pass breakup on Higgins. Higgins turned into like a 40-yard gain. So he was close. And I think to that point is Nasir Adderley. And, and you know, we've got to be fair with him too because I have been very high on him previously. Five missed tackles in a game is really unacceptable, especially when you're on an island like this. Um, and, and to his credit, he had a couple of really good plays in the run game. Uh, particularly earlier in the half, he had a really good coverage grade. And again, I'll, I'll confirm that with all 22, but five missed tackles from your last line of defense. And it wasn't just that he was missing. Like the one missed tackle that he had on David Njoku is like he tried to put his shoulder into Njoku's shoulder. And it's like, I appreciate the, the mentality that you're just going to come lay the wood. But Njoku's like 150 pounds heavier than you, my guy. So like he, we've got to figure out how to get Nasir Adderley to wrap up a little bit more at this point because he is being so physical and, and it bit him in the ass today. Um, last thing on John Gruden because I was talking about it. 
Apparently, Adam Schefter was just on uh, the halftime show and said that it was a trail of emails with anti-gay, racial slurs, misogynistic, and words against Roger Goodell. So he, my wife, but trail in all caps. So I'm assuming that uh, Adam Schefter was, uh, you know, kind of emphasizing that. And yeah, yeah, wow. as Daniel points out, now you have Carl Nassib on the team. So yeah, uh, no, of course, rough day, rough day yeah, for the Raiders. Make that work. Oh, ugh, that's awful. I mean, to be fair, I think it might be a good thing in the long term, but <laughs> it, it, like that's not a good. That's 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 not great. No. Um, there's oh, no place. In, there's no place in the NFL for that. There, there's no. No, of course, so, not at all. Obviously, uh, I wish that we would have uh, figured this out sooner, right? Like this was from ten years yeah. ago. Like <laughs> I wish we'd have found out about this person that was you know a fixture on our televisions for 15 years and no kidding you know, got a head coaching job and it turns out he's just a piece of shit so uh better late than ever i guess but th- this is just you know it's an it's unacceptable like you can't have people like this being yeah. in the nfl and you know as much as as much good as he did for the university of utah this goes for urban meyer too like urban meyer needs to get the hell out of the nfl right now in my opinion Oh man, I'm gonna be smoking that Urban Meyer pack soon too. Oh, I'm just gonna be right <laughs> on everything. <laughs> when does Dan right. Snyder get fired? Oh my god, honestly. Um, all right, let's not? get. To... Yeah. Anyway, I already kind of forgot about it, but whatever. Um, all right, let's uh, get to some of these questions, you guys. We'll wrap it up mm-hmm. in uh, like 10, 15 minutes. Um, and, and don't get it twisted. I know we've been kind of negative today about the run defense and the special teams, but you know, at the end of the day, we were all talking about this team being contenders. So. Still good vibes, but like I said earlier, we've got to be fair with this uh, and, and talk about it as you know as objectively as possible. Um, a couple questions about Michael Davis in uh, in the chat. What did you guys think of Michael Davis's day um, against the Browns yesterday? Um, I was just I, I honestly haven't seen some stats. Uh, did he allow a lot of yards? Yeah, I only saw the Asante Samuel and Chris Harris stats, um, so I hadn't seen his. But uh, I thought he played pretty well. Um, you know, obviously, he sort of kind of held Odell in check. I mean, there wasn't really a lot of that going on uh, most of the game. Uh, they had him on Anthony Schwartz, I think, at a couple points, uh, like when they tried yeah. to go for that big uh, third down conversion. But, um, you know, I think Michael Davis really played as well as he's played all year, uh, and he's kind of kept that level of play up. What was the face for, Tyler? Oh, I'm, I'm on the wrong part of Pro Football Focus. Arjun will shame me. I'm sorry. <laughs> so just just keep talking. I'll figure it out. Okay. Um, yeah, I thought Michael Davis played well. It's funny to watch him because, like, so many defense, so many defensive backs will like make a good play on the ball or like a receiver will drop the pass. Right. And then like immediately see them stand up and, and they're always like, Oh no, like no way. Michael Davis now is like, that will happen. And he'll just like look for flags first. And then he'll do his little, (laughs) then he'll do his little motto thing. But it's, it's just like, it cracks me up because every time he'll like stand up and it's like looking for the flags and then it's like, dude, just celebrate. Like who cares? Go for it. Yeah. He's given up or against the Browns. He gave up two catches on five targets for 19 yards, no touchdowns, passer rating of 51. There we go. So I again off the watch, but yeah, it seems like it was good. I mean, he's been solid all year, in my opinion. He's had a little, you know, tough moments here against Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller. But you know, I think the Chargers have a very solid he's their CB one, right? But like, you know, in terms of overall, I think he is a solid CB two candidate and he's played well so far. 
you know, I, I think we're we're kind of waiting to see some of the the playmaking that we saw last year. Although he did have the two fumble recoveries, um, but I think he's been solid so far. I'm sorry, I'm just still distracted. <laughs> saw an old Raider Cody tweet that said, "Is John oh, no. Gruden going to coach his entire ten year contract with the Raiders?" Vote here, and I just quote tweeted him, <laughs> and I said, "I think the answer is no." <laughs> <laughs> Well done. That's an interesting question. Uh, shout out, shout out to the uh, super chat here from I want to say Skyler. I, I hope I'm saying that wrong. The right Pretty Skyler Hobson um, would putting another linebacker on the field help the run defense. So we haven't really seen Staley use multiple linebackers, meaning three. You know, we've we've only seen the two inside linebackers. Um, you know, this isn't the four three defense. The three four is the base. I think. At the end of the day, you know, Dor- Derwin James is kind of a pseudo linebacker when he is using right. the box. So I think to me, if you're not getting better personnel, I think you've got to go into these games against better rushing teams and, and frankly put four defensive tackles out there. You know, you put Merrill and Limbaugh Joseph in the A gaps, the B gaps, and then you put, you know, Jerry Tillery and Christian Cummington, you know, kind of in the four gaps. So I think that's kind of a short-term way of, of mitigating some issues is just getting more bodies at the line of scrimmage. And, yeah. you know, I, I think until Brandon Staley can get kind of the personnel that he's comfortable with, like just get more bodies up there, man. And, and you got to make some kind of adjustments from the two high shell, you know, mm-hmm. and, and certainly players have to play better. Right. Cause it, the scheme, the scheme is not designed to miss 18 tackles, but I, I think if you just get some more bodies in there, <laughs> And I think that'll be better. What's up, Alex? I, I, no, I just think the idea of the scheme isn't designed to miss 18 tackles. What scheme is? <laughs> like, Gus Bradley's. Gus Bradley's. Maybe Gus Bradley's. <laughs> new new I, Raiders head coach, Gus Bradley? <laughs> oh, yes. I got, right. I got Skyler right. Very cool. Um, You can't fire me. I quit. You can't fire me. I quit. You guys watch those uh, Rankin Bass whatever ones i know kevin i know what you're quoting i do not know but i thought it was a, i thought it was a funny original line from kevin but uh very funny nonetheless um let's see man this really just nose dove our, our focus here man that is just I know. these these raiders coaches getting fired yeah mm, man so brett wants to know about uh trade candidates potentially going for cordero patterson uh, Christian Wilkinson, I mentioned earlier, Justin Tucker. Um, I, I can't imagine the Ravens are giving Justin Tucker <laughs> away. I appreciate the sentiment. Um, maybe there's a different kicker out there, but uh, what, are, what are some potential trade candidates that you guys off the top of your head uh, could potentially hope the Chargers do? Where's Tyler Shelvin at? <laughs> <laughs> the Bengals, I think. The Bengals, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they, have, they have Shelvin and DJ Reader. Like they're set and they're set yeah. in the middle, man. Whenever we did mock drafts for those who weren't here with us, we were just always penciled in Tyler Shelvin as the DT that we were drafting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, I, I think uh that, that's just funny. But um no, I, I think realistically the options are returner or probably yeah, probably returner or if they want to get like some depth at linebacker like those are probably the two most possible options just because I don't think there's any team who's just going to give you defensive and offensive linemen like Steven said at this time like everybody's yeah. dealing with their own injuries on defensive and offensive lines um, just because those positions are so grueling to play um, 
Cordero Patterson, I guess, could be interesting, but like he's the only good player on the Falcons. <laughs> like they have him and Kyle Pitts and Ridley. That's it. That's all they have. So like I don't know. I don't feel like they're gonna trade him. He's probably. I mean, they might if they really are in a deep rebuild and just want to like sell everything. But you know, I I still think he's a value to that team at this season. So um, I think the most likely options are they go. Maybe after like a Jamal Agnew, someone mentioned that in the chat. Mm-hmm. If uh, if the Jags really start to nosedive, not that you can nosedive too harder than zero and five in Urban Meyer, but um, <laughs> you know, I think uh, I think that's probably the most likely option is some kind of kick returner, power return specialist type dude. Yeah, I think if if they're willing to have Jalen and Guyton return punts, like I think that gives them some options and potentially upgrade upgrading that wide receiver three or four or five, however you want to deem it. Um, some people have mentioned Brandon cooks to the chargers. I, I can't see that working. He, he still is under contract next year. So I think that would limit, you know, how much they can give Mike Williams there James kind of situation. So that's, that's a little dicey for me. Um, just off the top of my head though, James Washington asked for a trade from the Steelers back in training camp, uh, hmm. and does not really have a role in Pittsburgh. And he's somebody that I think could be very interesting in, in this offense oh, brings a, different kind of speed to the team. So I think James Washington uh, could be a, a potential low-key target for the Chargers. That would make a lot of sense, in my opinion. Uh, swap him out for K.J. Hill. You've got you know a more dynamic offense, more explosive offense. Um, and I don't know if he returns kicks or anything like that. But again, if they're willing to have Jalen Guyton return punts, then I think James Washington is an interesting target. Oh, did my thing just go out? Yeah. yeah we, Awkward. We, we hear you, though. Hello. Great <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, content, guys. <laughs> Don't send racist email. <laughs> oh my gosh, John Gruden, man, what a what a piece of shit. Uh, okay, sign Odell, make him wide receiver three, and let him return punts. Um, I mean, Odell's not gonna go to a place that's gonna make him wide receiver three. <laughs> Cleveland is already fundamentally misusing him. Why does he want to come here to be fundamentally misused? (laughs) He's one of the greatest wide receiver talents we've ever seen, and they're just treating him like shit. So I don't think he's going to come here and do that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Other than that, I think, uh, like I mentioned on Twitter today, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, I think those those make some sense. Um, Micah Anderson, I did not read the Ringer article about Justin Herbert. I don't know if either of you two did. Um, but I will go check that out after we hop off of this stream. Yeah, I don't read. I don't read. Where is where is Agnew at? I forget. He's in Jaguars. He, he had that big. Uh, he had that big kick return that. Uh, oh, was Johnson he the called. kick? Was he the kick six? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Mm-hmm. The, the only good play of the Jaguars in recent memory. Okay. Um, all right. Um, sorry, I was about Alex. Oh, I'm about to wrap up. Yeah, you can bug Alex and then we'll wrap up. Oh, you can okay, bug Alex, um, how's the, the Eagles interior defensive line looking? And is there an opportunity for the Chargers to take someone from there? Because you guys had a good rotation, I thought, and you drafted some guys. Yeah, that's, I mean. That's funny. Someone just asked about Fletcher Cox in the chat. That's funny. That's what inspired the trading Fletcher oh, Cox. Yeah. <laughs> no, Fletcher no, Cox is like the best player on the Eagles still. Like, he's not Yeah, play. they're not trading Fletcher Cox. Um, well, the thing is, like, people have not been thrilled with, like, his sack numbers and stuff. But, like, he's getting double teamed all the time. Like, he's the Eagles equivalent yeah. of what Aaron Donald and 
previously Chris Jones were before he, you know, moved to the edge. Um, you know, that's the kind of disruption disruption he is. And like to be fair to Fletcher Cox, he's opened the field for uh Javon Hargrave to lead the NFL in sacks for yeah. defensive tackle. And uh he's having the season he is. So I don't really think there's a guy they'd be looking to trade from here. Um, to be honest, like I think they would be buying, if anything, to try to fix their secondary, because that's been the problem this year on defense. Uh, particularly their safeties and linebackers are just poo-poo. Um, but yeah, uh, they they sort of have a similar, I mean, linebacker problem, I would say, considering to, to what the Chargers have right now, especially if Drew Tranquil's out. Um, but yeah, well, I, I don't think they're going to trade any of their defensive tackles, no. An interesting thought for sure. Uh, Gino Atkins still unsigned. So I think that's potentially a health issue. I remember there being some injury problems last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. All right. Let's uh, wrap this show up in a lot of fun, making fun of John Gruden, talking <laughs> about Justin Herbert's MVP can- campaign. Um, Tyler, what are your final thoughts of the day? That I'm happy the Chargers are four and one, even though, you know, I picked them to win every game except the Chiefs game. I'm I'm still surprised they're four and one. Like I thought that they could win this. Um, I certainly didn't think that they'd win the way they did. I picked them to win 23-21. Couldn't have been further from that, 47-42. to But I'm happy that they're showing that they can win like this. Brandon Staley is the front runner, and I do think he will win Coach of the Year. And Justin Herbert is yeah. a couple of games away from being the MVP front runner as well. So very exciting times to have both the coach and the player, you know, win two of the best, you know, most prestigious awards. And Rashawn Slater, I okay. I'm going to end with a hot take then. I think if Rashawn Slater performs very, very well the rest of the year at a potentially all-pro level, and again, all-pro level, I will say that he is more deserving this year of an Offensive Rookie of the Year award than Justin Herbert last year. Ooh. Wow. Now I'm going to watch Steven have to disagree with me. (laughs) I'll talk about that in my offensive line breakdown this week. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to be a Chargers fan. I'm happy to have a coach. Um, I, I think just having a coach is a really good uh, concept. So, uh, you know, I, I'm happy for Brandon Staley going for it on every fourth down, being the coach that we always needed. And, uh, yeah, uh, just, uh, you know, don't set up secret email servers or whatever, you know, that that's the only thing you can't do here, but, uh, no, I'm really happy for the Chargers. Uh, in all seriousness, you know, this is the start we've been looking for. It's their best start in like seven years um, at four and one. Uh, then you know, that was the second Mike McCoy season where everything fell apart after they were number one in the power rankings. But, um, you know, oh I, I think it's uh, just fun to see this team ball out, uh, even with all the problems that we describe, special teams, run defense. They're still four and one. And you can't argue with the results uh, on that level. And so I think that, you uh, this team can only get better. Uh, and I think that that's going to be the fun thing to watch just going forward. So really happy for the team. Uh, and Urban Meyer, you're next. <laughs> well done, Alex. Well done. I, I knew you had to get that in there somewhere. Um, that's the crazy thing. I think that Alex is spot on here is like they're exceeding expectations at this point. You know, four and one is better than, you know, we had hoped and we were expecting potentially, you know, three and three heading into the bye and they could be five and one and then head into the soft spot of their schedule. So super excited about where this team is heading. Cannot thank Brandon Staley enough for the kind of presence that he's bringing uh, to this team. And it's just been, you know, so much fun to watch. And I can't wait to see how he addresses 
some of the issues, right? Because this team is winning at a very high level. They're playing great in, in some parts, but you know that there's some things that they need to clean up. And I think he will be able to do that um, after the bye week. So um, can't thank you guys enough for tuning in. This has been a super fun and a very eventful live stream. Uh, love breaking news on the podcast as always. Thank you, Tyler and Alex for joining me. And thank you guys for tuning in. As always, leave us a rating or a view if you're listening to this on the audio version. Like and subscribe to the channel and comment, as always, your thoughts. Uh, and stay tuned for the rest of the stuff that we do this week. And we'll see you on uh, Friday. Oh, I got to go delete some emails. <laughs> Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.